Hey guys, it's Morgan. What up, what up, what up, what up, Bisumi? She switched it up a little bit for you guys this time. Just a little bit. Don't worry, I will go back to the old way. Anyway, so we're coming at you with the third episode in this piece. Trace Leches in this bitch. Thank you to all our followers. Shout out to the followers. We're at 150 now. Getting it in. And from what you told me, we got people all the way out in Germany. We had a follower in Belgium, so that's super dope. Shout out to Belgium waffles. Those are some of my favorite kind of waffles. Besides yours. I don't like waffles. Waffles are amazing. Anyway, so uh, what's new with you, Yumi-chan? Let's see. What's new with me? I'm just... No, I'm not about to do that. Um, Nothing much, you know. Just um, macking and hanging. What's that mean? Like eating macaroni and cheese. You haven't had macaroni and cheese since Thanksgiving. You don't know that. I froze some of the macaroni and cheese that you made, and I sneak it at night. In like a corner. It's delicious. It's five different cheeses, y'all. I don't know what to say. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm super excited about this episode. I think it's going to be a good one. So, um, you know, since we have decided to do this podcast, Um, And obviously, you know, in such a short time, we've had so much amazing positive feedback and so many people out there that are really excited about this subject line. And they're like, oh, my goodness, this need to be heard. Thank you so much. We've actually had a good amount of people who are like, you know, really interested in being involved. And so this is our first podcast um, that consists of an interview. And so um, there's a guy uh, who we've interviewed on this podcast. His name is Mark, and uh, he goes by the nickname Moses. And he's probably one of the kindest and sweetest and most um, well-spoken and just, you know, really chill, for lack of better words, uh, men that you that one could ever meet. And, um, you know, we, we spent some time with him this past weekend getting his background story and kind of where he came from to where he is now and uh, correlating that to the in-between that he he went through. What do you think is, um, what do you think of that story before they listen? What what did you, what was your, your, uh, we'll cut this because I just lost my <laughs> wording. No worries. Um, I think his in-between is unique because he went through some very, trivial things in his life and it took him a minute to get to the aha moment right and so like you know it's kind of like that typical story of a of a young man who grew up you know in an environment without the the best um influencers around him yet a good environment yet yet a good background Yeah. yeah right and it's like um it's kind of interesting to see someone who did come from like a good family background but there was also still those um negative external um, forces for the lack of better words that were there and pulled him in the wrong direction and so you know just kind of hearing his story on um him in a downward spiral but even you know in that that time frame him having the wherewithal 
at times to question, um, you know, things like when he was on trial and things like that. And so um, I don't want to spoil it for the listeners, but, you know, it, it's a, I think it's a really interesting story. And, and I really hope that you guys, you know, you enjoy this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. We'll uh, start that soon. I just, I think his story is very compelling because it's interesting to hear it from him being on the other side yeah. of who he is now because as he tells the story, and only meeting him briefly, but I cannot even imagine Mark being that person. Not at all. Because he's such a sweet, kind, and respectful man now and a father and a you know, soon-to-be husband and... Mm-hmm. Um, you and like even picture. from a physical standpoint, right? He's like a very yeah, like, like super lean, great in shape, but not like huge, like oh, you know, yeah, in your no, face. like he's got like a very like kind of yoga look with like this long very kind yoga. of Moses yeah, like that's beard. a perfect like very zen yoga. Yeah, right. Type of he's like he's got like this you know um, salt and pepper hair. He kind of and has a nice like and that look of what you could picture as like a male like uh, acupuncturist or like a zen master of right. some sort. Right. I feel is like what he, Mark if he could like. float he would. Yeah exactly. In, in like <laughs> a meditative prayer but position. We don't get to see yeah. It. yeah no he absolutely is like I can see him like you know just yeah. like floating in midair. Um, like so someone that could put their hand on your forehead and all of a sudden you're healed. You're just healed. Like, that, that's what Mark So speaking like. of which that's how he and I, um, that's what was one of our, our first like real interactions was him noticing that I had some inflammation in my knee. And, you know, unbeknownst to me, I was just kind of like walking and he was like, hey, what's going on with your knee? And I was like, what? And he said, like, oh, if you've got a few minutes, you know, I'd love to, I could do some work on you. And he just kind of did like some real simple like inflammation like manipulation and then he was like okay so you're gonna follow this up today i want you to drink some beet juice every day for the next 10 days let's flush some of this out your system and i'll do some more work and like 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 legit his nickname now is moses and that's what it felt like it was like being touched by like some spiritual being like his ability to just do a little bit a little bit of manipulation on my knee and it was like the pain it just went away and it's so funny to hear how like this guy went from someone who created pain and created pressure um to all the people that he was dealing with in life going from someone named wolf to someone who we call moses who takes all of his clients pain away and makes people feel a lot better so check it out guys i'm excited for you to hear it my name is mark and i'm born and raised in carson california and I had two-parent household, mother and father, and they always provided everything I needed. And I had four siblings, an older brother, three brothers, one sister, and me, that makes five of us. And my oldest brother, I admired him growing up, looking up to him. And we grew up in Carson, California, Delamo, and that became the name of the neighborhood that my brother was representing. The uh, Lamo Block Crip. So I seen him coming home, you know, blue rags in his pocket, him and his homeboys, him and his friends. And, you know, I looked up to him and I found that to be, you know, cool. So I myself, you know, started to emulate my brother. My brother. I was probably like about 10 years old, 9, 10 years old. So I recall myself going into the restroom and 
you know, looking in the mirror and practicing throwing up the signs that my brother was throwing up. So that's how I took into getting exposed into the games. Despite the fact of having a two-parent household, you know, and had everything I wanted as a child. They called us Wolf, you know, because of my oldest brother. So it's three of us, three boys, and uh, excuse me, four boys and one girl. So whenever they see us, the boys, hey, those, what's up, Wolf? What's up, Wolf? So, you know, the name took, and I wanted to keep it. Keep it. Wolf, a wild carnivorous mammal of the dog family, living and hunting in packs, but has been wildly exterminated. When I was 13, I stole a pair of pants from JCPenney's, and then they sentenced me to juvenile hall. And from there, you know, my life of getting in trouble began. Nothing good came out of juvenile hall because all that did was reinforce me and, you know, developing my reputation, you know, for the neighborhood. So when I got out, you know, it was as if it was a good thing. The first uh, time I went to juvenile camp was for, you know, uh, stealing the pants. And then after that, once I got into their system, everything else was based on conduct, behavior, outside. You know, when you come home, are you following your uh, probation officer's uh, recommendations? And I wasn't following none of them because I was running the streets. I was getting in trouble. I was running away from home. I was, uh, you know, doing any and everything that I could do that was uh, defiance. And just to take a step back and shed a little bit into my personal self before all these things happened was I grew up shy. So when I was in elementary school, fourth grade, my teachers didn't know how to communicate to me. They didn't know how to get through to me. So they pushed me on through the next grade. So I basically never learned anything in school and they told my parents I was illiterate. And after the sixth grade, I never attended school, you know, from that moment on. You know, it was just in the streets, you know, and hanging out and doing everything I should not have been doing. So I developed uh, a pattern of getting in trouble, and that fed into me uh, violating my probation and then going back to juvenile camp. And then in juvenile camp, you know, this is where I'm starting to learn, you know, the politics, you know, going into prison. So race riots, gang riots, uh, you know, different separations of affiliations. And all of those uh, negative things that was happening to me shaped, shaped me, you know. So when I did get released back into the streets, in 1995, when I got arrested for a robbery. And me and my uh, associates, you know, homies, we were out there running the streets, drinking silver satin, you know, smoking weed, getting high, and, you know, we wanted some money. And, you know, that was how we lived. You know, it was like, all right, we don't have no other assets, no other, uh, n nothing geared towards us to, you know, educating ourselves, you know, other than game banking. You know, there was no uh, interventions. You know, I'm waking up every day, uh, gang patrol, they're chasing me up and down the street, you know. And so that was my lifestyle. 
and when I got arrested for the robbery in 95, that was my first time going to prison. And when I went to prison, then, you know, everything changed because my mentality got darker. You know, I didn't have no respect for society. I didn't have no respect for rule of law or anything like that. It was just, all right, how am I going to make it in this world? How am I going to ensure that I have the things that I need? So this was the first bid that you did? They sentenced me to seven years. I got arrested for uh, robbery with the weapon used in the commission of a crime. So the weapon was never attributed to me personally, but on the case, one was used in the commission of a crime. So they gave me a felony for that. Did you go to trial or did you take a plea? I took a deal for seven years and the reason why I took the deal is, you're absolutely correct, uh, California Penal Code, what they do is they generate, they, they do what we call Trump charges. Okay, so when I got arrested for the robbery, they trumped up uh, attempted murder on me and they trumped up, you know, uh, another robbery. So they gave me about five trumped up charges in addition to the one. <laughs> you know, that I actually got arrested for. When I was incarcerated, you know, I started to, you know, I, I, I observed a lot of things because as I was growing up shy, that was my, what I developed is to watch, is to observe, and then take what I can and apply it to myself. So that's how I developed, you know, my street senses, my street smarts and things like that. And plus my dad, he taught me how to read and write because the education system, you know, uh, wasn't, wasn't doing it for me. So I went to the law library when I was incarcerated and I started to look up my uh, charge that I was originally charged with and kind of find out, yes, I was sentenced to seven years, but they have this thing called halftime. And if it's your first time incarcerated, then you're automatically entitled to halftime. But they won't tell you that. That's something you have to, you know, figure out on your own. So I figured that out and I used their appeals process called a 602. And I wrote an appeal and went to the uh, Supreme Court and they ruled on it that I'm entitled to half time. So my seven years turned into four years because by that time I didn't already got an extra year added on to my sentence. So I, correct. So I could have really been out in three years, but I ended up doing four years off the seven years. And then from there I get out, you know, I'm back on the streets and I spent two years out at that time. And you know, nothing new or extravagant happened other than me, you know, getting in trouble and getting away with it, getting in trouble, getting away with it until I get caught again. Growing up in Carson and Delamo, I ended up getting put on East Coast Crips. That's the neighborhood that I was from. East Coast Crips one on. What made you turn it around? What was like your aha moment? I got set up by the FBI to rob a drug stash house. So we were in one room and the agents were in the next room and they had the whole room audio and surveilled and they watched us all night. So they knew everything what we were doing, everything what we were saying and they seen the weapons, you know, that I had brought into the room. So when the undercover agent came in the next morning, he was like, yeah, so what's the plan? And here I go regurgitating the plan that we had, 
you know, planned, you know, about a month ago. So now I just incriminate myself. Correct. This is the plan. So they already was after me when they found out I was on parole. So they already, you know, targeted me. I was a third party unsuspecting. I came in, you know, on the uh, on the robbery. They lead us to a mall parking lot in San Diego, in Chula Vista, California. And when the agent get out the car, he walks away from the vehicle. And I get out the car and I walk up towards the agent, but he's walking away from me. When he gets out of the line of fire into his safe zone, then we just, they open up on us. So when the agent got out of the way, they all came out. They set off concussion grenades, smoke bombs, and, you know, started shooting live ammo at us. And I took cover by the wheel well of, of my vehicle. And when I did that, everything just stopped. Everything just went quiet. I didn't hear nothing, but I felt something. I felt, I felt peace come over me, but I didn't know what it was at the moment. I just knew that something was happening. And at that time, all I could do is remember looking up at the sky and, you know, realizing how warm the sun is on me, how blue the sky is, how bright the sun is. And I had a moment. And from that moment, all the noise came right back up. Get down, get down, get down, get down. Got guns pointed at me. And now I see that, you know, it's a sting operation. That was my moment, that was my aha moment for me when I knew something had changed because I grew up living my life, running the streets, game banging, being uh, terrorizing the streets, you know, society, I did all of that, you know, and, and coming to a moment to where it's like, hey, what's, what's going on, you know, what, what, what's happening to me? I still had to go to prison and this is where God showed himself to me. I say, all right, Lord, if I have to speak for myself, give me the words to speak. Now, this is my first time, like, talking to God, right, yeah, and, you know, because the time I had in the cell, I'm wrestling. How am I going to identify myself? You know, who am I going to, am I going to be Mark or am I going to be Wolf? Who, who am I going to be? You know, so when I made my mind up that I'm Mark and I'm no longer a wolf, now I'm talking to God. Okay. okay. So when my attorney came to take over the case, he found out what was happening. So he found out that uh, we had the same identical case in federal court. So he matched all of our transcripts together, found out that the agents were rogue agents and that the informant gets paid to do this. So. They done went from trying to strike me out, and they asked me to make them an offer. I just said, all right, Lord, don't let me get more than seven years. That was my next conversation I got. Don't let me get more than seven years. In the time I was doing it seven years, I did it different in prison. This is where my faith was challenged because I'm, I'm new to this. This is my first time ever saying, yeah, I'm saved. My name is Mark. I'm a Christian. I mean, that was foreign language to me. I mean, a, a Christian, what? I don't, I don't even know what a Christian is, you know, at, at the time. But this is what I'm claiming myself to be. In the moment, 
I was searching and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And from there, I started to operate in a different level of authority. I stopped operating in, you know, the level of wolf, the level of the homies, and, you know, looking for them to be my protection in prison, and I started operating in faith. I started believing that, you know, God do have a calling on my life, and if there's something that I need to do to protect myself, that's fine, but he won't allow no harm to befall me. And I moved that way throughout the whole seven years, and I was able to go across all racial prison boundaries. I was able to go to the Southsiders and minister to them. I was able to go to the woods and minister to them. I was able to go to the uh, Aryan nations and minister to them, you know. Correct. So, but it's not so much that they were accepting of me, they're shot callers. Because I went to the shot callers. I didn't go to the people because the shot callers run, run the people. Okay, so I went to the shot caller, you know, I, I, so there's this one guy, his name, uh, well, I won't say his name, but he was a, a, a shot caller, you know, for uh, the Aryan Nations. And we were in Wasco State Prison, and I seen him one day on the yard, and he didn't have none of his uh, security around him, so I approached him. You know, and he knows what I'm about. I'm, I walk, I walk with this. This is my new weapon, my Bible. Okay, when 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 they see me on the yard, they see me with my Bible, my sword, and I have a folder, and on my folder says prayer requests. And I went up to him, and I asked him. I was like, Hey, man, what's your prayer request? And he was like. Pray for my family. One thing I learned is when I surrender my heart is every man has a heart. It's either cold or it's either a stony heart. So in prison, everybody's heart is stony. At least we think it is. But you never know what a person's heart, when their heart is right. You never know. And if you don't have the authority and the boldness to step up and be that representation, ain't nobody going to step out. They're going to stay hiding up under their homies, getting told what to do on the yard, you know, and being a puppet. I broke, I broke that barrier. And when I asked him, what's your prayer request, he told it to me. And when he told it to me, I seen that there was uh, a chink in his armor, you know. And I told him, I said, look, man, you're responsible. And you're like, what are you talking about? I said, every time you tell somebody to go kill somebody, you're responsible for that soul. Every time you have your people go beat somebody up, you're responsible for that. Okay? So the penalty of error is on your hands. And that was my message to all the shot callers. And because I was able to tell them that, they respected me for it. And that gave me a pass to move through the divided lines the way I needed to. How would you describe your life today or what would you tell people that have had a tumultuous past and, and, and moving forward from that? Because now you're such a different man. So what would your advice be to people that are in the in-between of trying to cross over to the other side or the better side of themselves or um, 
just move forward in general, what would you say to those people that feel like they're in that middle ground? What people can do in the in-between that are, you know, still incarcerated, still struggling, they got to use their boldness. They got to be bold and step up and be the leader and take their leadership authority and use it. Because if you don't use boldness and exercise your leadership authority, then that system is going to swallow you up. However, what they can do for themselves is use their boldness. You, 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 have, to, you, you, you have to stand up for yourself because you never know who's around you that has a heart. God says, with Tim, all things are possible. And I believe it. So when I was in that in-between, trying to figure it out, I realized what I am today is going to reflect who I'm going to be tomorrow. So if I don't change today, if I don't correct my attitude, if I don't correct my character, if I don't correct, you know, the things that I'm doing that's setting me up for a downfall, then these are going to be the same things that I'm going to be faced with tomorrow. So I can't say, oh, when I get out. No, it's not when you get out. It's today. It's the moment. It's the essence. Those external influences will really rob you. you, you there's no peace. So you got to command your own peace. You, you got to command it. So that's what I would say. You have to be bold. You have to step out on faith. So what I will say from hearing this for me is that it further confirms my theory in that you're not ready to elevate till the next step until you are ready. It doesn't matter what people think you should do or where you should be or what you should be over or who you should be over or what you should move on from, regardless of the situation. You're not ready until you're ready. Absolutely. So like even Mark, like going through all this stuff that outwardly we could be, look at it and be like, damn, like he, he didn't learn then or he didn't see that then or, you know, like it, it took this or it took that. Well, yeah, for him it did. You know what I mean? It, it did. That, that's, it, it took him being in this crazy situation where he's walking out thinking one thing is going to happen, and all of a sudden these people are shooting at him. Right. And a situation they thought was going to go one way went a complete opposite way. Right. And he realized he's been completely betrayed to be like, and here, here comes my right, aha awesome. moment. I'm right. ready. Right. I'm ready. I'm ready to move on to the next step. Yeah. I've been in a, in a sort of an in-between for so long. I've been in between the fact that I had two parents in, in the home raising me correctly in a nice neighborhood, and I chose this life, and that, that time in that life was your in-between. Now you're ready to elevate to the next level. Right. And now he has. So... Even for someone being in a situation like that, Mark doesn't seem like he's hard on himself in any way. Mm-mm. I think he... I, I feel like he clearly has forgiven himself for his past. I think he's forgiven himself for judging himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, a, that's something that's really hard to do. And it's something that, you know, I myself did, you know, a couple months ago when we were, you know, up in the beach, on the beach in uh, Redondo. I just stood in the middle of the ocean and you took that picture of me. That's what I was doing at that time was just forgiving myself for even judging myself. Mm-hmm. Let alone, like, you know, fuck judging everybody else and dealing with my, my issues outside of me. It was like, 
it's okay that I've fucked up. It's okay that I've messed up in life. It's okay that I've, you know, hurt people. It's, you know, all the thing, all the mistakes that you make in life are the in-between. It is part of the in-between. In fact, it's probably a pivotal part of the in-between because it's your opportunity to propel yourself to that next, next that next level. Yeah, so it's like you're not, like you said, you're not ready uh, until you're ready. And, and I think part of being ready, to Mark's point, is you got to be bold. It's not easy to just say, I forgive myself for judging myself. I forgive myself for my past. Like you, that's something you have to, to be bold enough to to face what you, who you may have been or what you may have done or how you may have behaved or treated people, whatever it is. Right. And to, and to choose you. Right. Because... And what you may have accepted of yourself. Cause so many people are out there just saying, Oh, this is what I deserve. This is the shit job right. I deserve. This is the shit relationship. Put, putting yourself through I hell deserve. for no reason. Right. For no reason, and it's like you know everybody deserves a happily ever after, and everyone deserves you know a job that they enjoy doing. I'm not saying you're even in, even if you're, you know, running one of the most successful companies in the world. I'm sure there's hard days, right? But you know, at the end of the day, you should be able to ninety, eighty, eighty to ninety percent of your time that you're going into your pace of employment, no matter what that is, whether it's for yourself in your home telemarketing walmart or a ceo you should there should be more days where you feel like you're successful in accomplishing something than not and if if it's the opposite for you then you're in the the in-between and this is your opportunity to you know turn the finger that you may point at everyone else or better yet remind yourself that there's still three fingers pointing back at you and do something about it just be bold, you know? There's something that Mark said that I can't really quite remember if we included it in this clip or not, but he said, you know, it comes to realizing you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. Whatever that is. So the in-between is that transitional period and figuring it out once you decide, are you doing it or are you not going to do it? Mm-hmm. Which you have to be comfortable with, but, I mean, it's true. It's like, there, there's no shame in waking up and being like, you know what, today at work, I'm going to stand up for myself. Absolutely. Or, you know what, I'm no longer going to be in this abusive-ass relationship. Right. Or, I'm no longer going to let my parents control what I want to do. Absolutely. Or, you know, like, whatever the situation is, it's like, you have to decide, am I worth it, or am I not worth it? Am I comfortable staying in this situation, or am I not comfortable staying in this situation? And then, whatever you decide, you know, there's that middle point that you have so much to go through... And, and understand and analyze and all of that. But it's like, it, ultimately, you have to make the choice. It's either a yes or it's a no. Right. And then you get to figure all that out and enjoy that ride and get comfortable in that wave. Right. And either way, I think you're in a new in-between. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Life so. is nothing but one huge in-between. One biggest in-between. Because after life, what's the only other guaranteed thing? Death. Right. <laughs> right? Like, that. that's, like, for sure going to happen. The story's going to end the same for all of us. We're all going to die. So it's like... I'm going to become a unicorn. Thank you. Okay. Well, that'll be great. Um, but I do... You know, I think... So, yeah. I mean, everything else is, in, is the in-between. And, you know, what you do with that time frame is up to you. You know, I always say that you are up to you. That's it. Like, you, you're responsible for you. No one's responsible for you. And... You know, if you want something more or less out of life, then you have to make those moves, you know. You know, one of the things... You thing, gotta get up without be something. something. Don't let the days of your life pass by. I did, okay. Remember when he was like, I don't recall ever graduating at all. 
Sometimes I feel like. So, anyways, um, <laughs> shout out to the Diddy Mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, or um, what's the one from Sister Act Two? That's what I said. You gotta uh, no, make it happen. If you wanna be somebody, if you wanna go somewhere, okay. you gotta wake up and pay attention. <laughs> Can we sing on Happy Day? No, okay. we're done. <laughs> we're done with the songs, guys. I wanna guys. sing on Happy Day. Can I be the kid with the um, the African dashiki? Is it dashiki? No. No. Okay. Cause he was like, oh, happy day, oh, happy day. And remember when she was like, la, 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 us being silly and stuff was being fake in the first episode. That just proved me that you don't know me very well at all because this is how we be. Juggle it, gargle. I'm sorry, mother. I I mean, this is how we are. We're so funny and so stupid and we think we're the funniest people on the planet. We are. So it ain't fake, ho. Ho. Ho ass, ho. Mark ass, ho. Okay. Okay. I apologize for my words of just for my words, I apologize. I apologize that I was sitting here flipping a guitar pick on the desk like the mic ain't sitting right there. Yeah, the mic's right here. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So anyways. In conclu- okay. <laughs> uh, in conclusion, we just hope that you guys enjoyed that. I think there's a lot that can be taken from it. Um, I feel like that episode is a listen and... Re- and um, I almost yeah. said a step and repeat. No, it's definitely not. Uh, that ain't what it is. No. It's a listen and uh, listen Replay. again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, thank you again to our followers. Shout out to the United States of America and Germany at this moment. Shout out to Jessica Putman. Uh, I just gave her full government, but that's our homie. You that's did. one of Jimmy's best friends. Shout out to you Jay. You listen five times, Jay. Five times, Jay. We love you. Jay, if you were in the Chicago area, please get your hair cut by Jay. Because she goes hard in the paint. In Chicago. Shout out to Jay. Shout out to Jay. And if you a fine ass bitch, hit her up too. Hit up Jay. But don't be like one of them whack ass bitches that, that's going to take her for everything. Because she, she got an open heart. She's good people. And don't be too emotional because she a little bit emotional. Don't be too emotional because she's definitely emotional. And then she's going to be calling us talking about how this bitch didn't hurt her feelings. I loved her. <laughs> Just kidding, Jay. We love Jay, you. Jay, we love you, though. Um, For real. You need to move to L.A. Yes. All right. So, <laughs> is that it? I mean, I think this is a good ending place. All right. I think that was a good one, guys. Tune in next week. We got more fire for that. Fire, fire, fire. It's the fire, man. She's all about the music, guys, this time. Every Monday, each and every Monday. Every Monday, each and every Monday. Every Monday, each and every Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In case we want to... But we could drop it when we want. We have to only drop it on Mondays, right? They're expecting it on Monday. Okay. We said Mondays. So, we'll have to wait till Monday. We could do a little... 2.0. Weekend special. A little Sherman and now. A little coming down the main line. <laughs> it's coming down the main line. That's Broad City. Have you guys seen Broad know. City yet? <sighs> We're just going to extend. I feel like we no, don't want to no, end no. this. It's not we ready. Do. Good night, guys. Okay. Or good morning.
or you good never afternoon. know if you never try you never try or good evening know. follow us on ig at the in between podcast <clears throat> on twitter at the in between pod <clears throat> our email please email us we would love to hear you guys' questions concerns yes, yes. Thoughts, yes. anything you'd like to discuss and answer, we would really, 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 really love that at love the that. in between podcast at gmail.com. Dot I talk <laughs> I talk iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Hit us up. And if you happen to just run into us on the street, I will do the entire podcast. I'll act like I don't live. I'll act like I don't know what you're talking about. I won't. I'll be like boop, 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 boop. Okay, guys, we're out.